Hello and welcome to Philosophy uh, with Will Anderson. I am Will Anderson, the host of the podcast. My name's in the title. You all know this. It's the same every week, but uh, we're in a different location. Uh, haven't recorded a Philosophy in this room. This is actually uh, one of the bosses at CJZ, which is the production company that makes uh, my television show Gruen. Uh, so we're in one of the bosses' office. He's got a big stand-up desk, which is uh, pretty weird, but I kind of like it. And uh, on the wall above us is one of the most horrible photos of me, like, sipping a can of coke like but in a like it literally is is essentially like that photo was taken so people could put dicks in my hand on the internet and just uh yeah it's horrible and so we have to do the podcast under that so we're going to face in the uh, the opposite direction but i have a guest and uh, i'm going to stop banging on and describing the environment and i'm going to welcome my guest so uh traditionally this is how it starts uh who are you my name is jessica saro i'm 21 years old i'm a singer songwriter I also go by the name Montaigne, a pseudonym for my performance aspect of me. And uh, yeah, I guess, you know, that's some of me. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, always, I mean, and we'll, we'll get to heaps of it, hopefully. Yeah. But I, I always like when I have someone on, because I have had some people on before who, who work under a different name or have a pseudonym or have a different identity through which they express their work. Mm. Um, what is that like? Because, you know, I've always essentially through my performance, it's always me, you know, like to the point where my name isn't Will anymore because yeah. people just yell out Will Anderson. Yeah. Like that's my it name. Flows, you know. It's, right. It's natural. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So for someone who has those two things, like A, how did it come about? And B, what is the, the balance and the roles of those things in your life? Uh, it came about because I was performing as a singer-songwriter slash musician when I was 16 as Jessica Sarah is my real name. And uh, by the time I reached 17 or 18, I was like, I don't want to be known as Jessica Sarah. That's a pretty fucking boring name. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure in 1995, the year I was born, it was the most popular name, Jessica, given to baby girls. And uh, You are talking to a guy called William, which has been top yeah. five boy names since there were boys. True. But, you, you know, you, you work it, you know. I was just like, <laughs> I can't work Jessica Sero. Jessica like, Jessica Sero sounds so banal and shit. So <laughs> I was like, I need another name. And I really want to use the name of a philosopher. Yeah. Because. Uh, because why? Because uh, I wanted people to know that there is substance to me as a musician, even mm. subconsciously, because the way I present myself online or the way I speak is that of in the manner of a 21-year-old, a young person who's barely had any experience of the adult world. And I want people to know that I, even though I am young and inexperienced, I still make an effort to try to have some sort of knowledge and wisdom about this world. And I'm interested in philosophy and in art and culture and, and information and all of that stuff that's going to make you a better person. So I was like, okay, it's going to be a philosopher. It's going to be the right philosopher. Got to be a good name and have views with which I am either in agreement or could develop on in some way. And so it's kind of just like reading stuff at first thought about Seneca because Seneca is a cool name uh -huh. I mean I don't know Seneca was he even a philosopher was he a historian writer kind of anyway he's he's ancient he's a guy uh and but someone has it as an artist name so it's oh. like reading in um a book called the consolations of philosophy by Landa Botton he's like a modern philosopher runs a thing called the school of life which is very cool um and he in in the consolations of philosophy the premise of the book is that uh there are many bad things in this world here are some consolations given by philosophy to help you through how shit things are right and so montaigne's section was on death because montaigne used to be like completely afraid of death and um then had this near-death experience which led him to realize that like death and dying isn't actually that awful and it will inevitably come to all of us so we should all just kind of you know not live our lives in fear and just get on with things you know and and enjoy life um uh, that's one of his most i suppose um popular uh viewpoints 
Um, but he, Montaigne, like I sort of, that was where I got my introduction to Montaigne. So I, I was like, that's cool. He's French. I speak French. Montaigne's a nice name. Like it's close to the word Montagne, which means mountain in French. And my last name in Spanish means small hill, which is close to mountains. So it's like, <laughs> there's a, always correlation. Yep. And uh, so I did more research on him. I just read some articles and syntheses of of um his work and i was like i'm interested i like the guy i resonate a lot with him that's what is said a lot about montaigne that like no matter what age you're from and i mean age as in like time period um people always are baffled by how well this guy understands them even though he wrote from the 16th century um so it was basically he's just a dude who liked to write about himself and about life in general and just happened to extract some pretty wise nuggets from that in his essays in the essay the personal essay something that he basically invented so he was just like forward thinking modern guy and I was into it so I was like that's that's gonna be the name long story short that's why I chose Montaigne lots of connections and I feel that like if if it were to be any philosopher that I would be like who would reflect upon me would be Montaigne I reckon okay so what's the difference between uh and we'll get to you know various philosophies of your own in a minute but Mm. what's the difference between Jess and Montaigne like, you know, are, are they two different entities? Like, is one capable of things that the other isn't? Or is it just an extension of who you are? I think it's entirely nominal. And it helps from a business point of view. Because, like, I, I also don't want to get a, a big head about things. I don't think I'm, I'm really... I haven't been raised in such a way that would cause me to grow a big head or an inflated ego if I were to do quite well in this whole industry. Um But having that separation, talking about Montaigne as a business and then me being like just the person that I am who's conducting that business really helps things, I think. Like when I talk to my management about things that are happening, they'll say we'll use personal pronouns and stuff, but we'll also sometimes be like, you know, Montaigne does this or Montaigne is getting involved in this, blah, blah, blah. And I think like it's nice to have that separation so that I can go about my normal life with you know the lingu- like the lack of linguistic association you know oh like- no i mean i agree with that my my uh, girlfriend you know yeah. it, it's one of those things where it's like you know i don't think she particularly enjoys coming to see me do shows yeah. because that dickhead up there isn't like she's like no 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 you're the dude who for, who put the garbage out on the wrong night last <laughs> week you're not like that dude totally but th- that dude has the same name as me and is yeah. wearing the same clothes as me and those yeah. sort of things so i can understand the you know the distance between them and particularly i think in an australian attitude which is this idea of you know that we are like you know raised in a way to kind of you know, feel a little uncomfortable around, you know, ego. So it can sometimes, I think, hold people back in making decisions about themselves because you can't see yourself as a, to use a horrible word, as a brand or Mm. as like, you know, something that you can actually go, well, this is a business and this is what this business does, Mm. you know. It's interesting to me. So, okay, let's jump into philosophies and then we'll ramble around and talk about all these other things again. Excellent. So do you have one? Uh, Do you have many? Are you a person who, I mean, obviously, look, you know, your stage name is a philosopher. So I'm, I'm hoping that you of all people is going to bring some content to this part of the... Yes, no. indeed. Oh, don't worry. Yeah. Even if I didn't, I can talk for days, even if only in a ramble. But anyway, uh, I do have like a set of values, uh-huh. which I try to adhere to. So I suppose... Actually, there's one in particular, which is more, I suppose, pithy, um, which I was talking about with Dom Alessio, who does Home and Hose on Triple J, who yep. that radio show, because I told them I was going to be in here. And I was like, I'm toying between like talking about two things. One is, I suppose, more popular. The other one's more just like personal. So the one that is more popular is just like, if you do something, then something will happen. If you do nothing, nothing will happen. And that's what I tell myself every time. I'm like, oh, I can't be fucked to go out and mingle with people and attend that gig and stuff like that. Like, I'm too tired. I'm an early morning person. And I am. And to be honest, like, now I have conceded the fact that I am an early morning person and that it's not necessary for me to go to those gigs exactly. But anyway, my point is, like, if you go to that gig... You don't know who you're going to meet. You don't know what's going to happen. Something's going to happen because you've gone out and you've forced yourself into a situation 
where the various variables of the world can impose themselves upon you and you can react to that. And like opportunities will arise or you'll have experiences. If you stay at home, things can still happen, especially because of the internet. Like if you, you can start a Twitter war, that's good fun. But like that's, <laughs> you know, that's uh, whatever, you know, being out with people is nice. And if you do nothing, this, I actually came, sort of thought about this more in terms of, um, like the dating scene romance because I uh-huh. had whenever I have a crush on someone I have to tell them immediately because or as soon as possible in as appropriate a setting as possible because otherwise <laughs> I pine and I can't deal with that I need closure immediately I need to know if it's a yes or a no if it's a no I can carry on with my right. life if it's a yes then we'll see what's ha- what happens if I say nothing I will wallow and like <laughs> sink into my neuroses and write probably great songs right. but I my mental health will be very poor you know and I have like a bunch of friends who are always like oh I have a crush on a person what do I do I'm like just tell them right. and see what happens if they say no you can get over it maybe you won't get over it but at least you'll have closure and that's the step closer to getting over it and like moving on with your life and finding the next opportunity and I mean there is an element of Schrodinger's crush about like you know unrequited <laughs> love you know yeah. where he is like until the minute that I tell that person that I like them they could still like me but the minute like you know I say that I like them there's yeah. a possibility the answer will be like no I don't like totally. you totally and rejection's hard but I feel like it's it's like nothing worth doing isn't hard you know like it you need to hard stuff usually leads to some sort of good reward well you know? rejection is something though in the industry that you have chosen mm. like i mean people talk about and it's a thing that comes up quite a lot in this podcast is that show business is the rejection industry yeah like if you sign up to be in show business you have to immediately get used to the fact that a lot of your time is going to be people saying no to you for totally. the rare times they say yes and believe in you yeah i mean i have been quite lucky so far in uh-huh. that I've had like okay, very okay. minor no's I right. suppose like for example like laneway next year I'm not being booked in that and I don't care about that that's whatever I'll do laneway one day but like that's been the extent of the no's like falling into I found a publisher like quite immediately and then that fell into like getting management and then that fell into getting a label and it's all and they're all really good as well they're not terrible management label publisher they're like very good at what they do um and everything else has kind of worked in my favor. I've had very, very good luck. At the same time, it's, you know, it's part of like me working it and being a person that people like and having talent and stuff like that. But also like, I've been very lucky. <laughs> so tell me then, so for people who don't know your story, take yeah. us back, like, you know, cause you are very young, but you've already done a lot of stuff. So take us back and give us a little potted history of like, you know, where, where it all started, how you got interested in what you're doing and, and how things started to happen for you. Mm. So I've been singing since I was a very young child and I've always loved music, but I grew And up- were you, was it a musical family? No, my parents loved music, uh-huh. but didn't play, didn't sing not really musically talented. Uh, but yeah, grew up around music a lot. My parents encouraged us to sing, gave us like cassette recorders and like told us to sing into a mic and recorded all that stuff and gave us karaoke and bought like plastic mics and guitars for us to fiddle around with and then got like trumpet lessons when I was from like from the ages of nine to 12 and then um, moved on to the piano and then moved on to the guitar. And now like guitar is sort of my main instrument apart from my voice. But like, so I was, my sister and I are musical. My sister is also singing a songwriter. Um, she's just coming out, she'd come out with her own song. Actually, it's quite good. Different to mine, but it's great. Um, <laughs> And uh, she's on the podcast next week. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, and uh, but my dad was a professional footballer, so soccer player. Oh, okay. His whole life, his passion is football. What music is to me, football is to him. Like he literally eats, not literally, figuratively eats, breathes, sleeps football, everything all the time. And he now coaches, but back then he was playing professionally. He played in the NSL here, and he played in the national league over in Malaysia. And I was born there for that reason and he came back and still playing and then he started coaching and he started his own football school and now he does that full-time and so he's always played it and coached it and so when I was 13 I got the bug 
and I started playing and I really enjoyed it. I was playing for rep teams, so I started Glades 4 Ravens, which is Super League, and the next year I went to um, Northwest Sydney Koalas, which is Premier League, and the next year I went to Marconi, and the next year I went to another t- team up, I don't know, someone. Anyway, um, but I got really into it, and I was like, I'm going to be a professional player. I still wanted the music thing right. all the way up until like I was all, – all throughout this – Bit. I was dreaming of being a singer. Right. But I just didn't think. I mean, we you could have actually... combined the two. You could have been Maradona. That yeah, would have been a good stage. Totally. Name. The new Madonna. Mar- Maradona. The new Maradona. <laughs> <laughs> it's a combination of Maradona and Madonna. I I've got a whole thing. I should have. I play football and sing at the same that time. It's going to be huge. Totally. You could have opened the World Cup. I mean, these are big, big have... opportunities. Well, you know in what fact, I mean? we're trying to, because my, my the FFA like knows my dad, uh-huh. because my dad played. In the NSL and like I think maybe one or two friendly games for Australia at some point or something like that. And he knows a lot of the players and stuff. So they actually I think my label's talking to them about like doing something involved with them, which is cool. So it's happening, but uh we'll just have to see what's in the works. Um but uh yeah, I just didn't think a professional singing career was really plausible, like for me, you know. What sort of music were you into at that stage? Like, well, I mean, what was yeah. the style of stuff that you were consuming that you were inspired by? All the way until I was maybe 15 or 16, I was listening to mostly pop music. Uh-huh. And then with like a sprinkling, like uh, when I grew growing up, I listened to like a lot of 80s and 90s because my dad, he really liked soul, hip hop, R&B, pop from the 80s. Um, and my mom really loved punk. And um, so... Uh, it was pop and really got into glee when I was in year 10. And, <laughs> but I sort of started to get introduced to a more alternative scene through like folk music. So like Feist, Regina Spectre, Fiona Apple, Fleet Foxes, all those guys, Bonnie Vare. And then sort of my French teacher was really into Sigiros and Tux, uh-huh. one of his favorite albums. So I got more into that sort of ambient post-rock music and then found Björk. And then just, it just started chain reaction of like, was, Spotify was also coming up. At the time, it was having, it was starting to have its little uh, burst of popularity. So I got really into making playlists. So I was just listening to as much as I possibly could. So um, I've listened to like most everything. The only thing, the closest I think that, that I've gone to country is like John Mayer. Um, <laughs> but I don't really listen to country music. Um, like he's gotten more country as the years have gone on. Like continue, I'm not really country, but the newer stuff. It's not for not wanting to, it's just for not, I just haven't done it. I mean, that capacity to consume a lot of things though is something that someone who's my age, you know, I'm double your age. And like when I was a kid to do that same sort of thing, I mean, I look at it with comedians these days, you know, if you get into a comedian and I've done it myself, you know, I hear about somebody who, you know, Michelle Fox, I think Michelle Fox, I think that's her name, who's on the Daily Show and somebody goes, you've got to see her stand up. And so suddenly they sent me this link yeah. and then suddenly I can watch 10 clips and suddenly I'm like, you know, being watched and I, you in the old days, you know, I, I would have to go down to Melbourne on a train and go around old record stores to try to find some Bill Cosby album. <laughs> oh, yeah, there was a time when that was still okay. Um, yeah, things have changed, yes. Yeah, yes, indeed. But these days you do have that capacity, like you said, with a Spotify or whatever to go, yeah. well, I'm going to consume a bunch of these things. And yeah. so you can have a much wider you know, group of influences if you want Absolutely. to. Absolutely. And I think the beautiful thing about that is that like – I, I think that's what creates originality, like having so many combined influences. Like I think combinatorial creativity, which is something that Maria Popova talks about on the site called Brain Pickings a lot, is like basically how it is that what I do has come about because I'm exposed to so many different disciplines like football and I'm really into music and I'm really into comedy as well and like all film and all of that. Like I'm into almost everything. Growing up, I tried to dabble in everything and same with music genres and you know a lot of people say like what you do is so like unique and like I don't like try to make it unique it just is because I've been exposed through the various experiences in my life which have now accumulated to the person I am today and the ideas I have today and that's the way I've done it it's not like you know it's just about being open which is one of my values (laughs) openness but um 
Yeah, it, it's so great. Like, I, I was, it's interesting to me because that idea of the perfect storm and how it changes. You know, I, I think there was a time, certainly back perhaps when I was your age, where you know there was much more of a like, uh, you know, all those st- things still exist. Mm. You could have grown up in that same household with all those sort of things, but there would have been a point where people said, "Okay, choose football, yeah. or choose music, yeah. or choose this sort of thing," because there wasn't that same sort of crossover or that idea that you could take different influences and put them all into your work and that be okay yeah i mean i people often ask me you know about like because my dad's a dairy farmer has been all his life lives on the road that he was born on you know Mm. but in some ways probably the most important influence on my comedy career or the thing that's been most important to me with my comedy career was seeing him go to work every day at a job that he loved yeah yeah seeing him get up at four o'clock in the morning despite how hard it was to go and like milk the cows or Mm. you know change the water or whatever because this is what he did with his life and this is what he had chosen to do with his life and the lesson that i learned out of that was well if you love something you know it's probably going to be hard yeah but you know if you apply yourself you will be rewarded by applying yourself to that thing and that more than anything is probably the thing that it's then enabled me to do something completely different to that, but yeah. just kind of treat it. I mean, you have I, those values. You I have treat it the like value I'm a farmer. Of a hard work ethic, you know. So, for you, what were the lessons that you took from you know your father's football career that you and you know playing yourself that you brought into the music world? Because that to me is interesting. I don't think I've heard anyone really talk about that sort of thing before. Yeah. So my dad actually with his school. He really emphasizes having a philosophy as a person as okay. opposed to just being a player. You know, you can have the skills and you can have the strategic ability and whatever the mind to be a footballer, but you also have to have the character and uh, the work ethic to be a professional footballer. He says he tries to teach his kids, you know, you need to be thinking critically about the world and you need to conduct yourself with politeness and charm and friendliness and and you need to work hard. And so I grew up with those values. My dad was always – he wasn't – he was, my dad's never been a slacker. Like my dad works really hard for us. Um, my mom as well. Like my mom is a very strong charactered person. Um, and so I grew up with that, like knowing that if you're going to have a profession, it's not just the profession itself and the skill involved in it that you need to be – Uh, like working on you also need to be working on yourself and so that's sort of you know that's something that I've carried with me all the way and until now and like my management is always happy to be working with me because I get shit done and I'm punctual and I like I don't just get shit done like I do it well and I'm very I know what I want because I'm constantly thinking about it and reflecting upon it and and I know, like, it, they just find it easy to work with me because I have so much clear direction and drive. Okay, and- so th- we, we got a bit distracted, but that's yeah. the point of this podcast. So yeah. that's okay. We wind ourselves around. Totally. So we, 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 you, you loved singing, yep. you were playing football, and that's kind of where we last left this story. Yeah, so I then kind of dispelled the thought of singing professionally and focused on football because – you know, in America, football for girls is a much bigger deal because of the college leagues. And so was, my mum and I were like, well, I could do a Ivy League college scholarship under football. And so I was going to make an attempt to do that. And so when I was 15, 16, it was around the time to start making applications and stuff. So my dad started filming me at my training and my games and stuff like that so we could put together a, um, a portfolio. And my mum asked oh why don't you record something of you singing so that we can put it over the video and they can see that you have multiple talents right and so i was like well i actually wrote a song because i'd been writing songs since i was maybe 12 or 13 maybe even earlier i'd definitely been writing before 12 i feel like the song bit started at 12 and uh and yeah, so I was like, yeah, I wrote a song. She's like, oh, okay. And the song I wrote was about wanting to like go to an Ivy League college scholarship and get out of Australia and like, you know, pursue my dreams. <laughs> and uh, and so recorded this shitty song with my um, one of my neighbor's brothers who was like a bedroom producer at the time and did it in a day, returned home, was kicking the ball against the wall. Um, at the front of the house and my mum or dad, my dad contests this a lot, but I'm pretty, I swear. No, okay. I won't lie. 
the way I remember it is my uh-huh. dad came out and he was like crying and he was like, the song's so good. My dad now says, it was your mom. <laughs> but um, but uh, yeah, so someone someone came out. Uh-huh. One of my parents came out and were like, the song's so good just as I like kicked the ball straight through their window and shattered it. <laughs> but they were totally cool with it because I'd just written a shit hot song and uh, because they're parents and they're very proud and they were really stoked about it. They got me into like an, a different studio with another producer and just paid like $800 per day to, I think I did a total of like two or three days and we just got a few songs out of that. And then one of them, they, they pimped my music. Like they put it all over the internet, Triple J Unearth, YouTube, SoundCloud and um, the Unearth, on the Unearth High competition as well. They put it on there. And then one day I got a call from someone at Unearth and they were like, hey, you're one of the finalists. I was like, okay, cool. I had no idea what it meant. I wasn't even listening to Triple J at the time. I was right. listening to pop music. I was into Glee. And um, <laughs> so she called me and my reaction was so underwhelming. And I could like h- hear the disappointment in her tone. As, oh, I mean, like, this is someone who runs a national competition to uh, like discover brand new talent. And this yeah. is like high school version. Yeah. So this is like... You should be so excited yes. that suddenly you're like got an opportunity to like, you know, and you're just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Back to Glee. <laughs> Basically. And then once I figured out what the deal was, because my mom came home and I told her and she basically screamed, I was like, oh, sweet. My music's going to be played on the radio. And so that's basically the point when I started listening to Triple J and sort of like started hearing more Australian music as well. I wasn't listening to much Australian music and now I'm like really deep into Australian music. But um, uh, yeah, it was just like that was the turning point and that's that was my entry point into the industry, I guess. And I started being – at the same time because my mom had sent um, my songs to Albert's Publishing who have now been bought by Sony BMG but they were Australia's oldest publisher and they um, – the studio we were initially using closed down so she was like oh let's contact everyone she contacted Albert and songs they wanted to have a meeting with me we talked and six months later I signed a songwriting contract with them a publishing contract so that happened in coincidence with the Unearth High program but they weren't correlated like that uh, happened independently which was cool so right. I'd already got a publisher people starting to book me for gigs but I was just about to enter year 12 and I was a very studious student so uh-huh. I wanted to finish year 12 and I wanted to do it well did year 12, did some co-writing sessions throughout year 12, just like on holidays and weekends whenever I had some spare time and wasn't too stressed. And um, four weeks out of the HSC, not four weeks, four days out of the HSC, recorded my EP over four weeks. And then that was released the next year with um, Wonderlook Entertainment, who I ended up being signed with that early that next year, had been at uni um, that year as well and then eventually dropped out in second semester because it was just like I could not focus on the academic work when all this exciting music stuff was happening and um, and yeah and when I signed with my management I signed with their label as well and it kind of just all happened from there and Triple J was already on board because of the Unearth High thing so so that's a pretty amazing quick like you know realistically you're going in one direction and yeah. then suddenly in a period of a couple of years like your whole life has turned on its head and this whole new world that possibly might be the thing that you do with your life yeah. has opened up to you. Yeah. Now, in that time, talk us through what your mind state was. Were you just going with the flow or was there times where you like where that the idea of that terrified you? I mean, I can imagine the idea of dropping out of university if you were a studious person. Hmm. You must have at least had some times where you had serious conversations or thoughts about what was happening there. Talk us through what was going on in your mind at that time. By the second half of 2014, I was on board. I was like music's my life this is what I'm doing I'm ready for it but prior to that I because I'd already convinced myself that I wasn't gonna do music like I wanted to do all these other things I wanted to do football I wanted to be uh uh, maybe a teacher of languages or ancient history or I wanted to do um anthropology or something like I wanted to do something in the academic discipline and um so leaving high school, like I was – even the, those first recording sessions with the person in the studio that ended up getting those songs that got me into Earth High, I was really reluctant to do them. I was a shy little 16-year-old and wasn't into it and my mom had to like push me. She was like, I've already paid. She had already <laughs> – she was like, I've already paid for it. You have to do it. I was like, oh, okay, fine. And um, I enjoyed it but it was still terrifying for me right. because especially being in, that, in the industry as like a very young person not knowing anyone and being that – nervous about people accepting you like it was hard for me 
it was hard for me to accept the fact that I was now a part of it. And then once I sort of started to actually tour and meet people and my management helped me out with things, like I got more confident and felt like I belonged. And so, yeah, by the time I would hit like 18, I was like, this is me. And then I deferred uni. I mean, uni, like I do, I love um, learning things. I love learning, but I just, at the time, like, it was just too hard to conduct both of those pursuits. Right, but also the other thing is that I think we've probably got to get over this idea, and I'm a great respecter of institutionalised learning. I think there's a great place for it in our society. But this idea that learning is confined to school buildings is part of what's wrong with the world. Like, we should be encouraged, and I, again, think the school system should be set up to encourage a love of learning, to give you the skills to continue learning. Because here's the thing I know about most jobs. You can go to university for three or five years and you'll learn more on your first week at work than you did in those five years about the actual job. But what you've got to learn in that time is how to learn, you know, how to access that knowledge in your life, how to process that knowledge, how to, you know, have the skills in your brain that if you read some things on the internet, you can assess what is real and what is not real and understand what a balance is and what a proper source is and all these sort of things. Totally. Uh, Okay. So that's the journey. And, you know, look, people can hear about your life story and they can Google you. Can they look at you up on Wikipedia for this sort of stuff? I want to get to, because you, you, you've spoken about values a few mm. times. And I like, I know that you have, I, well, I've, I know a couple already, but I'd like to hear you speak about, you know, what you consider those values to be, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, this, I just like to start with the caveat that this is entirely personal and don't expect these like people to... Um, approach these in the same way because this is, I, I feel like it's very particular or at least one of them is very particular to me just because of the kind of person that I am. I'm quite a strong-willed so person. So firstly, I would say this. like yeah. this, The whole point of this podcast is what you've just said. Yeah. Like, you know, the whole point of this podcast is that, you know, it, the different strokes, you know, approach, what might be right for me yeah. may not be right exactly. for some. You know, it's, okay. that's how it works and that's why I get people on. I love to talk to people and hear what makes them tick and what it is that they personally – I mean, there's one in particular – that I know that we have completely different uh, approaches on. So we'll get to that Excellent. in a minute. Excellent, I but, can't wait. But, you know, but you, you run me through what you, you're going to say. Okay, so my first one is usefulness. And the idea is um, to be as useful as possible in order to serve other people. Like, basically, like, I want to learn to love myself so that I can radiate that love and share it with other people. You know, Mm -hmm. like I feel like I already do a pretty good job at that, but you know, there are some reservations I have about myself and I'd like to get over them so that I can then be like, lend myself entirely to other people. I want to make sure that my mental health is at optimal, you know, functioning so that again, I can sort of use myself to go and, volunteer or to do my job and to respond to people and do what people expect me to do or to look after my like less mentally healthy friend who needs me to be there for them you know and who needs me to be strong for them and just you know throw the arm around them and say I'm here for you you know um or like to be fit enough to help my band like carry our bloody road cases around on tour and stuff like that and I always feel bad when they're like it's fine I'll I'll do it. <laughs> I um, hate that. Just, but, I'm going to interrupt you briefly for a yeah. second. It's not about your philosophy. I'm not bored yeah. with anything. But you know that little thing you're doing with your finger there oh, yes. where you're clicking it? Yes. Uh, it, it, it just, uh, we're like getting it in the microphone. It's basically okay. like you're giving a little oh, rhythm. Yes. It's like you're yeah. giving a little rhythm to cool. your story. And I was in my head going, is there something wrong with the microphone? I and guess, then yeah. I noticed that I was like, okay. you've just got natural rhythm when you speak yeah. to just I click. a lot. I it's okay. A lot. You're a letter fidget. I'm a fidgeter as well. Where does that come from? Just while we're stopped down on it. Do you think that, are you able to sit still? Are you a sit still person as well? Or do you always fidget? People make fun of me because I can't sit at a, like if we have a coaster or something on a table, like yeah. 30 seconds later it's going to be torn <laughs> apart or like ripped into things. Like yes. my hands are always. I think, oh, I don't know. I think I'm capable of sitting still if I really focus, but generally my subconscious lends itself to kinetic energy. <laughs> I, I like the idea of what you were saying about um, you know, being serving in the way that is best for you to i guess i'm paraphrasing a little here yeah. but recognizing what your skills are and how that, that you can use those skills to contribute to other people right yeah. last night uh i did a charity gig with uh, kitty flanagan 
and uh, Justin Hamilton, and it was in Wollongong, and it was to raise money for uh, some be- like to help. Uh, some I won't go into the details too much, but I might actually put a little uh, thing on the end where people can donate if they want. But uh, about the bears and all the caged bears and the horrible things that's happening mm. to them, and the the lady who had run it, and she'd done all the work. Like realistically, you know, we just said that we would do it. Yeah, you know, and she was so grateful, but she'd done all the organising. She'd sold the tickets, she'd arranged the thing, and she'd raise. I mean, they were hopeful to raise you know seventy to a hundred thousand dollars out of the the whole night and and she came to us afterwards and said well thank you for doing this and i said well i mean really i was just doing what i can do yeah, like to help exactly. there is no way i could help you raise thirty five, forty thousand dollars. i don't have it to give to you i wish i did yeah. i would love to give it to you if i have it but i have a set of skills that i can come down and like you know entertain people and that maybe totally. that will be helpful as well yeah you know I, I often sometimes think oh it'd be great if i volunteered more but the truth of it is I'm useless if I volunteer. Mm. You know, it's better off for me to do a gig for Oxfam so they can go and help an African village exactly. than yeah. me to go and try to dig a hole. Because exactly. guess what I can't do, Jess? Dig a hole. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> it would waste everybody's and that's time. that's totally okay. You know, give the people who have those strengths, you let them take the helm and then you do what you're good at. Okay. And that's sort of, yeah, that's where I'm coming from in that. I suppose it's less less skill specific and just... Well, yeah, yeah. It's like what you're good at, make sure you're doing it well and make sure that you, uh, in terms of total well-being, are capable of carrying out those skills. Are you a person who can recognise what makes you feel like, you know, that will throw you? Because, you know, sometimes it's hard when you're the person in the middle of it to recognise. For example, for me, it's time. Like I am the nicest dude the most relaxed dude in the entire world mm. unless i am time poor so for example the other morning i'm running late for a radio late show right. uh i'm i've got to put some money in the meter because i'm going to be there like doing interviews for a while and i don't want to get a ticket right yeah and then this guy in front of me because i'm running late this is the point right yeah. this normally wouldn't bother me yeah but the guy in front of me doesn't it's like he's never seen a ticket machine before <laughs> like he's a guy in a suit and he gets out his amex and he's trying to put his amex in the yeah. thing and it's not working and suddenly me peace loving everyone cool i hate this guy i would have murdered him in the street i wanted to push him out of the way and go dude this is how you use a ticket because that's my trigger being late i know that if i'm late i suddenly get unreasonably stressed so i then try to take lateness out of my life so that i don't become that person are you aware of what your triggers and stresses for your own mental health and well-being and stuff are uh, Without having to reveal what they are, but I mean, are you a person who has an awareness of when that's going on, or does it sometimes sneak up on you and you go, "Why do I feel like this?" I do get that, but very little. It tends also to be in situations where I can't really do anything about it, but it might lead to me letting other people down, like being uh-huh. late, where it's like it's not my fault. It's the dude in front of me can't fucking right. Um, but even then, I'm quite good at controlling my emotions in that way. Like, I'm like, okay, I can't do anything about this. I just have to deal with it. I need to calm down. I'll walk in to the meeting and I'll tell them what happened and I'm sure it'll all be fine. Like, it's a bit inconvenient, but I'll do it. I'm generally quite equanimous and measured as a person. Like, yeah. I'm quite, that's one of my specialties. <laughs> that is. But, um, I mean, that's a great skill because you're absolutely right. And the truth of it is, if like I had been two minutes late to this radio interview, I would not have been the first person in history who had been two minutes late to a radio <laughs> interview. And they would have been cool with it. And I'm there every week and they know I'm punctual. And, but in that moment, none of those things were in my brain. Mm. In that moment, murder was in it's my brain. Yeah, it's hard. It's like Because a guy took 45 seconds longer than he should have getting a parking ticket. I feel yeah. Um, all right. So uh, what else? What else are you, kind of your values then? Um, another one is um, openness. So I mentioned it uh-huh. earlier, just openness in almost all senses. Just So be. what do you mean, though, about so that? So it can mean honesty, as in personal honesty. Be honest with people. If you're honest with people, then they start to trust you and trust leads to harmony. And harmony is people like harmony. How honest? Is there a level of honest? I'm quite honest. I'm right. quite forthcoming. And does um, that sometimes like... Sometimes to the detriment of diplomacy, which uh-huh. is actually bad. I should actually try to find that balance between honesty and diplomacy because some I've fucked up sometimes. Well, but also that balance is different for different people. Yeah. I mean, some people really respect, like, I mean, honesty or, you know, being brash or any of those things are in some ways determined by the person accepting the honesty. Some people love upfront frank honesty and some yeah. people don't enjoy it being presented to Absolutely. them in that way. So it yeah. is a transaction by transaction yeah, sort of experience. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta 
get a gauge of who you're talking to and what the whole vibe is. But um, there's that. But people generally, I found like if if you're honest immediately, you'll immediately find out whether or not they're into that. And if they are into that, you'll probably have a really great conversation, forge a really great relationship. And if they're not, then just turn it down and just treat them. Yeah, with, I feel like this has like, come up a couple of times. I feel yeah. like you're a get to the chase. Yeah, uh, I, I totally if you're, am. if you're worth me putting my time into, I want to know that immediately so I can concentrate that <laughs> time on you. Otherwise, you know what? Fuck off. Fuck no, off. No, it's it's not fine this, if that's what it is. It's it's not like that, but I hate ambiguity <laughs> right. and uncertainty. Like I like it in a conceptual creative sense. Sure. I really enjoy that, but I don't like it between people. I, if, if you have a problem with me, like once one of my good mates, um, instead of hashing out something she was upset at about, at with me oh god mincing my words she was upset at me about something instead of telling me about it she ignored me for three months and let it fester and i got angry at her for not talking like for not messaging me and just telling me what it was even though i made attempts to be like hey what's up and she was like oh i'm too busy i'm like oh my god really um busy being angry at you about something you don't know about exactly that we could resolve (laughs) now and either you know so it's not festering but like I, I can't deal with that. I can't do that. I need to talk about things immediately. Uh-huh. Um, I don't like that. So I find yeah, that's just sort of where I'm coming from with that. But but openness as well. So honestly, open in terms of receiving things. So be open to hearing what other people have to say. Know when to talk and when to listen. Know when you're wrong. When perhaps an idea that is contesting yours might actually be the right one. It's I think. I think understanding is much more important than being right about things. And I think it's much more satisfying and fulfilling to understand things than to just constantly, you know, having arguments with people because you're obstinate and intransigent about what you think. So I really like the idea of also that thing about learning, like be open to learning new things and to, you know, the world is changing at a very, very rapid rate and we are learning that things we once thought as like abnormal or bizarre or inhuman are now very much those things. And we learn this day by day. And I think it's very important to be open to all these things, especially if it comes to do with humans, because you live in a world of humans and you can't just be like, if a, if a person isn't harming you or others in terms of, I mean, it's it's hard. It's subjective. No, it? well, but, I mean, but the truth of it, I mean, this is a subject that comes up a lot in this show. So you've yeah. come to an area that I really like. But yeah. we're trying to make sense of something that essentially makes no sense. Exactly. Like, by the nature of human existence, the way the Big Bang works, everything we do in the universe makes the universe more complicated. Yep. Literally by just existing, mm. every single thing we do extrapolates in the world and the universe becomes more complicated. Yet we seem to think there's some way, whether it's a set of rules from a book or whether it's a yeah. set of guidelines or whether it's philosophies or anything – none of them are right for everyone and this idea of like i mean you you said something and you almost glossed over it but i think it's like the gold i think it's really the heart of it which is the difference between wanting to be right and looking for understanding yeah i feel like we've just forgotten about looking for understanding like even if you disagree with somebody you can go well what let's at least try to understand why they feel the way they feel i mean just to talk about something in the news if there are these people who think that I don't know, refugees are going to come to Australia and take their jobs, Mm. for example, just to use a very blunt one that's top of mind here in Australia. Mm. Well, firstly, just before you just call them a racist and whatever else it is, maybe let's get to the heart of what it is that they fear or don't understand. And maybe it's actually that they're in in an economic position. And if we explain to them or if you understand, oh, actually, you know, it's not them that's your problem. It's actually, you know, this big business that isn't passing down the, you know, Mm. but if but if you just dismiss people immediately without understanding what is at the heart of their concern, like the understanding, but on all sides, the other way as well. Yeah. You know, this idea of like, you know, I would ask a conservative person just to understand that if like, you know, a, a gay person, LGBTIQA person wants to express their love in the same way publicly as they do, yeah. that that's something they don't need to accept. And it's not something that they need to do themselves, but it's something that they just need to understand that human thing of like you love someone and you like to be able to say it publicly wouldn't you understand that somebody else would like to too and i think there is a difference between we're so desperate to be right in Mm. these debates that we forget the things that we all actually have in common there might be a small amount of it we disagree on but at the essentials at the heart of it 
There is, anyway, I like it. I think yeah. what you're saying is very cool. Um, we've uh, still got a little bit to go, but there's a few things that I definitely want to talk about still. So, is there more values, things that are really important to you that you would? Oh, you've got. A, I want to talk to you about a couple of things. Anyway, <laughs> we can get back to the other one, and we'll talk about these other couple of things first. Uh, awesome. You don't drink, right? No. No. Here we go. <laughs> this is the one that uh, is interesting. Um, uh, at all, ever. Uh, I drank last year, but Uh then I was like, I don't like this. (laughs) You don't like it though. That's the difference as well. It's not even a just a... Oh, no, no. It's totally just a personal thing. Yeah, but you don't don't like it. Yeah, exactly. Right, yeah. And what what, what was it about alcohol that um, you didn't like? Um, uh, Well, I'm not fond of the taste unless it's like cider. Right. Cider. I don't like the feeling of alcohol in my stomach either. It just feels really heavy and burny and gross. I'm not a right. fan of that. And uh, like often, not always, but often alcohol is a social lubricant, and I just don't really need that either. Yeah. Like I was kind of, I was getting a bit tipsy and drunk and stuff like that, and I found it was more of a hindrance than like than an improvement to my social performance. <laughs> Right. Um, so yeah, you are the equivalent of a drink driver, like, but in social conversations, yeah. you're like, ah, oh, well, this isn't really helping my driving. Yeah. This is, I'm actually a really good driver already. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But it, that, and just like, yeah, I don't know. I was just, I just felt that I didn't, I just don't need it. Yeah. I don't need it. I don't want it. So why bother? It was like that thing, you know, how I was saying, like, I've discovered like I'm an early morning person. I don't actually like hanging out late at night. I've only come to that realization like two days ago that I don't actually have to go out late at night because it's in the culture, like, you know, music industry, it's a, it's a common thing for people to go out to gigs and like schmooze and hang out and, you know, stuff. And it's like, I don't particularly like that, but I don't have to do it. Like, I don't actually have to do it, but I just thought I'd convince myself that that's something I had to do for some reason. You oh, know? I mean, and, there's, there's yeah. great joy in understanding what it is that, you know, I mean, I think I, I, when I moved up to Sydney like 16 years ago, you know, that all my friends and the heart of comedy was all in Melbourne. And I've loved being not in the heart of comedy yeah. because it's actually something that I get from, like I get to go there for a month every year and do my show and be in the heart of it. But there's also something about being apart from it that gives me a different perspective. Totally. But more than that, it's just who I am. Hmm. I like, you know, the rest of my life when I'm not doing comedy to be surrounded by people who aren't comedians. Yeah. I like to think that I could have a normal life and have normal friends and do all those sort of things and then just go to my comedy job when it's time for comedy. Absolutely. You know? And it actually, I think, gives me a... And it means that when I am at a festival or I am at those places where I do want to go out at night and have those sort of things, I can still then also enjoy those things. And you things. totally relish it because it's not its not bombarding you constantly. Yeah. You're like those moments are special because they're infrequent. Uh, so what it, it fills that place for you though? Like, I mean, I don't mean you know necessarily, you know, that alcohol has a place in everyone's yeah. life. My dad doesn't drink, has never drunk. Uh but I mean, you always find something to put your energy into, or something that's your. You know, a lot of people drink. I drink because I it relaxes me. Like yeah. it really does. I enjoy the social aspect of it. I like to drink. And, yeah. um, but what is that for you? What fills that place? You know, the relaxation place. I have several things. So I really enjoy cooking. Uh-huh. Um, oh, okay. I'm- what sort of. Because you're vegan, right? I am vegan. So I I am constantly on Pinterest looking for easy things to try out, which I then later develop or just, you know, if it like it's usually I'm tired or scant of time. So I just do the cheap, easy thing. Um, And it's good. I really enjoy that. And I really enjoy eating food. So that's good. Um, I also really (laughs) enjoy. You're a winner at both ends of that. Yes, indeed. I also really enjoy playing video games. Oh, okay. Yeah. I also like yoga. And I like, I have really great housemates and I have really great conversations with them. And, you know, I catch up with my friends, my family regularly for like coffee and stuff like that. So I prefer, like, the thing about the nighttime thing, it's not that I don't want to see people, it's just that I don't want to be in that environment at that time of night. Like, I love dinners and I love lunches. I love sit down things where you're in communion with your family and friends and you're having nice conversations like i like conversation i just find that generally like loud environments associated with nightlife and the boisterousness of it just isn't conducive to having like a solid you know conversation so that's the stuff like that's what i'm interested i'm like i'm sort of a homebody but i'm very extroverted as well it's just that i have homebody tendencies you know um but yeah i also enjoy reading and writing and 
doing all that stuff and talk, walks. Talk to walks. me about uh, your veganism. When did, mm. when did that sort of arrive in your life? How did it arrive in your life? Yeah, so I actually, when I was like 15 or 16, I was a bit heavier than I am now and I didn't care until I maybe hit 17 and then I was like, I'm feeling quite self-conscious about this. And I went to an all-girls Catholic school and so we had like Lent celebrations and stuff. And I was like, oh, I'm going to – this was m- mostly just for Lent. Um, but I was like, I'm going to give up meat and junk food for Lent as my thing that I sacrifice. Uh-huh. I'm not like particular. – I'm lapsed Catholic now, but like at the time, I don't know. I don't even remember if I was religious back then. I don't think I was, but um, – I mean, essentially Lent is like, you know, the Catholic version of Feb fast or yeah. Dry July or whatever. You just yeah. give up something for a month, really. Yeah. yeah. They were they were very good on their marketing back then. Totally. They, they had a few good events. You had Christmas. That's your big one. <laughs> Easter's coming up. You got one to give up something. I mean, really. Exactly. It's covering all yeah. – all of the things. Um, but, yeah, and I was like, oh, I actually enjoy not eating meat. This is nice. I don't feel as heavy, et cetera, et cetera. And so I became vegetarian. And then I just started doing more research and just on the environment and the ethics and all that aspect of it and also the health bits. And there are these things that came up that said, like, it, it lowers your risk of cancer and diabetes and this and that. And also it's easier to maintain your weight or to lose weight. And also, you know, I was also a massive green freak. I still am. So I was, it, it's also very, very, it's, it's very meat and the animal agriculture industry is very bad for the environment. So that was very much in itself enough to make me want to go vegan. Um, but, and then also the ethical side where I was just like, yeah, eating animals is pretty weird. Right. <laughs> like pretty – I don't feel nice doing it. Um, so I was like, I'm going to go vegan. That was like a few months afterwards. And I struggled a little bit at first just because like there's so much random animal product shit in everything we eat. I mean, you wouldn't believe it. Oh, I believe it. I've been vegetarian for 15 years. I'm not vegan. Yeah. I grew up on a dairy farm and I yeah. think I think my stand-up comedy broke my parents' heart enough <laughs> that like I'm not going to give up butter as well. I'm yeah. sorry. But oh. I'm like I used to have a joke in my act which was basically I, I won't kill an animal to eat it but if I can squeeze it and something delicious comes out, <laughs> that's my line. So, <laughs> but uh, but I also understand the idea of like the massive agricultural industry, and I do have some genuine issues with like the ma- even in you know dairy and these sort of things, the mass culture, particularly, um, you know. To anyway, that's an issue for another time. Mm. But my point being that I absolutely agree with you with meat products. The things the, the things that have animal products in them is yeah. crazy. It's really weird. Like, also, but also the opposite sometimes. Yeah. Like sometimes you can eat a bag of like chicken chips, for example, <laughs> that are completely vegetarian. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like chicken salt is apparently vegan. Yeah, that's fine. And so is, um, <laughs> yeah. And so like it's, like a lot of things are stock. A lot of stocks are just chicken yeah. flavored. Yeah, or that's beef right. Flavored. You know, it's really weird. Oh uh, yeah, the amount of times that I have like yeah looked at something and go, well, I can't have that, and go, oh no, no, that doesn't have any meat in it at all. And then the complete opposite, which is uh, the uh, oh no, that why does that have meat in it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's strange. But so yeah, start like was a bit eating things by accident for like the first maybe even year, but like sort of started to sit into it. And after a while, like when I became less body conscious, it was very much about like the ethics and the environment and and the health like other health aspects of it and I wanted to eat well and I wanted to be healthy so that you know I could perform as a person and not be tired all the time and not feel lethargic and blah 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 um and yeah so I just like I feel very passionately about the whole thing yeah so how do you feel about because I've seen it come up in interviews and stuff and how do you feel about – I mean, I grew up uh, loving Morrissey, one of my favorite yeah. people that I ever – and, of course, Morrissey, when it comes to his veganism, is as on front street as staunch, anyone. Yeah. I mean, if you've ever seen him play Meet His Murder with the video clip that plays in the background, I mean – it's. but he will perform in – like, he won't perform in festivals no, and yeah. venues and stuff that are serving meat. There's a whole range of things, and he's been very committed and very passionate and outspoken about it. Yeah. I am always interested when people, you know, go, do you think you have a social responsibility to like, you know, use that, like, you know, does it come up in interviews because you think, oh, well, this is a good opportunity for me to talk about this and get that out there? Or is it, you know, what's your philosophy towards that? I think it's absolutely a responsibility. I don't think it's for, um, I mean, me, again, I'm a person 
with public standing and I have to represent myself in some way and because of that not I'll get two sides of the coin which is positive and negative reaction so like whatever I say there's always going to be positive and always negative and I understand that I'm prepared for any negative backlash and for that reason I'm gonna voice my strong beliefs in things I think are good and veganism is one of them so I'm very vocal about that I actually also have an Instagram account called Nomtane um, which is just where I put like all the food I make or go out and eat so that people know like what you can do that it's not boring bland and expensive everything I make is cheap because I'm not particularly wealthy Um, and yeah and where you can go to eat out vegan stuff like that and like that's something I talk about and also update almost daily pretty much um in interviews I absolutely feel obligated to be a voice for that cause because people especially young people are very influenced by what their favorite singers and songwriters and artists say you know like I have a lot of people who message me and say I was vegetarian I'm gonna try your vegan because of you or I've been eating meat and you've shown me that like I'm you know it might be better to do this so I'm gonna do this and like they might not necessarily stick to it but I've planted the thought in their brain and that's enough for me like I'm happy I'm happy with that so anything I can yeah. do is it's you know I'm, you can't I mean I don't think you can change people's minds but you can yeah. certainly open a door if they are Absolutely. already willing to work walk down that way yeah. and if you show them I mean the thing that you say about showing people that it's easy or showing people that it's great I always think that's the best way to win arguments in general don't oh, don't tell yeah. people that like when someone comes to this country don't tell them they have to fit in just show them that this way is yeah. a great way and the, they will try to fit in there's actually this great quote I don't remember who it is it might be Auden W.H. Auden but he says something like <sighs> Don't try to change a person's appetite by telling them that what they're currently eating, which is like overboiled watery cabbage, um, is bad. Like change it by showing them something like well-prepared vegetables, right. <laughs> you know? But it's true, right? Exactly. Uh, it's great. Look, we have to finish up because I am in my boss's office and I don't no want problem. him to not uh, – I did see some people lingering outside. Oh, I'm hoping, I did, we said we were going to be at less than an hour. Yeah. We haven't quite been an hour yet, no, so I think we're okay. Yeah. There's a couple of things that I always like to ask people about, so I want to get to those before we finish up, if that's all right. Mm. Uh, we've touched on one of them already, which is the role that religion has played in your life. You mm. said lapsed Catholic. Do you – believe in something you know that is bigger than us what's yes. your perspective on I, that i believe like in a final fantasy-esque kind of spirituality which is that there's just a sort of a, like a a life flow within all things or all living things that just connects us to one another which is like at the same time i'm skeptical of that view i'm like probably not but it's just a romantic idea i like to hold that sort of just it's like a visualization you know how like some people like when you meditate like visualize that you're doing this or you're here on a beach you know taking deep breaths and it helps people it's kind of like that it helps me just like ensure that i'm being compassionate and that i'm exercising my understanding and empathy for other people and so thinking about the fact that we are all in some way connected and have like are responsible for each other's consciousness like it i like doing that because it yeah just reinforces um my behavior towards other people but um generally like probably like nearing atheistic but um but i'm not anti-theistic i'm not i'm i'm like yeah, go for it. If, if that's what you believe in, you're not, again, not hurting anyone or yourself, cool. But, um, yeah. Uh, okay, which brings us to the other big one I always like to ask people about. So what do you think happens when we die? Um, uh, I do, again, sceptical of this view in myself as well, but I kind of believe in, uh, like, I believe that, when we die, like we, our bodies are containers of consciousness. And when we die, our consciousness just leaves our bodies and escapes into the remainder of consciousness, which exists in the air and in the atmosphere of the universe and, or not the atmosphere of the universe, but it's just the, the yeah. vacuum of the universe. Sure. Basically. Um, is death a thing that you, th- I mean, obviously, you know, you're, you, you named, you know, the artistic side of yourself after, you know, a philosopher and a quote about death. Mm. Is death a thing that is present in your thinking day to day or in your life or is it something that Quite. you... Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I'm similar to the real Montaigne in that I do quite 
fear well i fear more um a painful process of dying than death itself i think uh-huh. i do fear also being so young that i won't accomplish certain things that i want to accomplish before then but I, it's not debilitating though it's kind of just something that happens for example when i like watch stranger things <laughs> and all these creepy things are happening and people are dying being kidnapped and whatever and i'm like is a monster gonna come for me and tear my face off but like it's <laughs> just in those extreme moments where i'm like i could die right now and like what what does that mean? But the thing is, like, you die and then it's oblivion. It's nothing. You don't remember all the stuff you wanted to do. So what the fuck's the point? You know? That's, know. that's a good way to end. I like it. <laughs> uh, you've got a, a new album out. Yeah. Uh, let's tell people about that. It's and called, yeah, yeah, go on. It's called Glorious Heights. Um, it's got, I think, like 12 or 13 songs on it. I wrote and sang all of them um, in partnership with a man named Tony Buchan, who also did my EP. He's a producer. Um, and uh, what's it like working with Tony? Like, what does he bring to the relationship? You know, how do you two work together? Like, what's that like? Uh, we also have a close personal friendship. Um, I babysit his kids sometimes, not anymore because he lives in LA now. But he, like, we were very close and very intimate. And because of that, I was able to tell him everything about my life. So it was very easy to write lyrics around him because I didn't feel like I was going to be judged. Like, he's very, he's got open ears and an open heart about things. Like, he'll sometimes be like, oh my God, Jess, like, what the hell? But in good nature, you know, it's not in a you're fucked kind of way. Or it's in a you're fucked kind of way, but I love you for it sort of thing. Um, I accept your fuckness with an open heart. I think we're like, but we know that we're mutually fucked. Like we're both a bit, um, we both have thoughts or interests or whatever that are a bit, um, I don't know, esoteric or weird or it just, you know, that's what people do. Everyone has their own like weird thing. Um, And so we just have this, the same creative energy or we work really well in symbiosis and I just weirdly find it very natural to write songs very quickly around him and he understands my vibe and we, uh, you know, understand each other's references and working in close proximity with him um, is just very easy and comfortable. And sometimes, and also like, because I'm very relaxed as a person, like he's a little bit, more stressed than me like he has probably a much larger workload and more people like depending on him and stuff i'm sort of like you know like producers that they work all hours of the night and stuff like that so he gets a little bit more worked up than me but because i i can cope with that like it's it's fine (laughs) like we don't we don't ever butt heads i don't think except for when i'm like hey tony i don't really like that and he's like really i'm like yeah, he'll accept it anyway because right. he's like, I'm the artist. And then on the <laughs> other hand, I'll take his criticisms because I'm open to them. Um, so it's just, yeah, it's just, it's a good dynamic. Okay, know? so the album's out. Um, people can just buy it everywhere, right? Everywhere you get music. Pretty much. I yep. Spotify, the other ones, JB Hi-Fi. You can come to my show and I'll sign it for you. If so that's in something you when are you do. doing shows? Uh, when can people, actually, where do people find out? How do people know where to come and see you and stuff like that? Um, so I have a website. It's montanemusic.com.au. Also, you can check my Facebook or my Instagram. It's all on there or my Twitter or whatever. I'm on all the socials. And I actually – tour starts in like a week or two now. So there's um, – I'm pretty much going everywhere. So like Sydney, Sydney Melbourne, Brisbane, Geelong, um, Perth. Fremantle, doing a few festivals, one in um, in Caloundra. If yeah, Caloundra. Caloundra, one sure. in Toowoomba, one in Canberra as well. And there are a few of them. You can just check them out. Yeah. If um, your town ends in a dra or a bra, totally. you're probably coming I'll be there. there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and you can just buy tickets on Brilliant. the website well it's been an absolute pleasure thank you for doing this I really um, have enjoyed this a lot and uh, hopefully we can uh, do it again another time totally. and get an update on where you're at <laughs> Absolutely. I feel like you can be my I think you're the youngest person I've had on the podcast oh, nice. so I think I'm you can it. be my uh, 
like year seven up, like, you know, yeah. say we just check in every few years you. and say yeah. like, so still vegan? Yeah. How's the yeah. alcohol? Yeah. Still alcohol. How do you feel about people now? Exactly. <laughs> totally. No, I'd be interested in that as well. Tur- that's awesome. Oh, it's yeah. been a pleasure. Um, oh, I should mention um, to everyone, I'm doing some shows in Sydney. If mm. you would like to see me do some uh, completely improvised stand-up shows, I only do these things every couple of years, but I love them. To be honest, I do them all the time. It's my favorite type of comedy because normally I work for months putting together yeah. an hour of comedy, but these ones I just rock up and make it up and I love it's so group. much fun uh so they're at giant dwarf on the 25th to the 30th of october uh but it went on sale yesterday and it's already about half sold out so if you want to um come and see that then you probably need to get in quick for that uh thank you again and uh, uh we'll talk to you all again soon cheers <laughs>